Welcome back to Horror Homeschool. I'm Chris. And I'm Ashley. How are you, Ashley? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm okay. I'm <laughs> tired. We've both been working non-stop and uh, this is our first day off, isn't it? So. Yeah, yeah, and I don't have another day off until Friday, so whatever whatever happens today is what's happening. <laughs> we are dedicated to the pod. On our only day off, this is what we do. Oh, but I love it. It's what I was looking forward to. <laughs> Yeah, we have been waiting for this one for a while now. Yeah, it's Halloween 1978. I mean, yeah, this one's going to be a big, lengthy one. I can already tell. There's a lot to get into about this. Um, Last episode, we gushed over Season of the Witch, and now it's time to go on a little journey into the new timeline of the Halloween films, starting with 1978's Halloween. You know, I'm so excited... As again, it's one of our favourites, but this one, even more so. Not only is it one of my favourite scary movies, it's one of my favourite films of all time. I mean, this is just such a big one. Like, I'm almost nervous to talk about it. Like, I want (laughs) to do it justice and be able to get it all out there and articulate, like, exactly why this is such an amazing movie. Um, And I think, like, doing the big ones like this will actually be quite a bit of a daunting task. Uh, it might be just, yeah so i know it's one of your um well it is it's your isn't it your favorite horror movie yeah Mm-hmm. yes so. besides scream i don't know halloween and scream are pretty neck to neck with me same same <laughs> but this one just well we'll get into why i love it yeah. <laughs> so before we get into it i want to address the different timelines with the halloween films uh, i gotta address that yep I've got. I've just got to do it, you know, because uh, obviously there might be newcomers to this that don't have a clue about the Halloween films. They might be coming on this journey with us for the first time. So I've got to. I've got to break it down. So not counting the Rob Zombie remakes and the separate anthology movie Halloween Three, there are three different timelines you can go on with the Halloween movies. It's sort of like a choose your own adventure, <laughs> like. <laughs> over over time, like more and more sequels are released, some retconning what was done in previous films, rendering them non-canon. Um, it's pretty confusing, but to put it simply, you can watch Halloween, um, the Halloween franchise, in three separate ways. And they are, number one, the original timeline, which is referred to the Curse of Thorn timeline. And this timeline revolves around the druid curse that forces Michael Myers to kill every single member of his family. Um, It's revealed in Halloween 2 that Laurie is, in fact, Michael Myers' younger sister, who was put up for adoption after the killing of his older sister, Judith Myers. Um, She was adopted by a new family and had her identity changed, hence Laurie Strode. And this was never the original intention, as revealed by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. And I personally kind of dislike the idea 
Like, mm-hmm. I don't know about you, Ashley, but I much prefer the fact that it was just like a random obsession that Michael yeah. happened upon. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he happened upon this girl who like dropped the keys off at his old house that he'd returned to after escaping the asylum. And I like the idea that he became like fascinated by her and decided to like stalk her and fuck with her and her friends. Like, yeah, because if you don't like, if you take away the fact that she's supposed to be a sister, it's like he's stalking her because he's like, okay, this is you know a teenage girl like my sister. This is gonna feel mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I also think there's like there's there's far too much coincidence and plot holes if you start looking into it with the sister thing, but too mm-hmm. much, you know, like. But, you know, it spawned a multi-billion dollar franchise with one of the most iconic slashers in history, so who am I to judge? <laughs> um, Same. So, and, and the movies in that timeline are Halloween 1978, Halloween 2, Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers, and Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. Okay, so the second timeline... Uh, which was the first retcon, which happened 20 years after the original with Halloween H2O in 1998. Um, it's probably meant to be pronounced Halloween H20, but I always say H2O for some reason. Um, hmm. Because it's meant to be like 20, isn't it? You know, I always say H2O. Yeah. Um, so in this timeline, Laurie's off-screen death between Halloween 2 and 4 was retconned and H2O picks up 20 years after Halloween 2 with Laurie working as um, a teacher, single mum, alcoholic, uh, with a teenage son played by Josh Hartnett. Um, That's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. The movies in order in that timeline are Halloween 1978, Halloween 2, Halloween H2O, and Halloween Resurrection. Mm. And the third and final one is the second retcon, the new current timeline, the 2018 reinvention, which is the one we're covering, which starts with Halloween, the original, 1978, then the 2018 sequel, confusingly also titled Halloween, um, which I hate. (laughs) Um, So that one scraps the idea of them being siblings in Halloween 2 and instead continues the story 40 years later after the events of the night in the 1978 film. So... Following H18 will be a direct sequel, Halloween Kills, which will be released next month on October 15th, I know, I'm 2021. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, so that timeline will then be concluded with Halloween Ends due for release on 14th of October 2022. Um, nice. I mean, supposedly, depending on, depending on how much money they make, they'll probably keep going, but it's meant to be a, you know, a cap to this new trilogy so yeah if you got your head around that well done if not i'll post some handy little pictures on the instagram uh there's there's some cool little diagrams showing like you know the timelines that are easier to visualize rather than listen to me babble um (laughs) and yeah eventually we will get onto the other two uh timelines but i thought with the new film coming out it would be appropriate to do the new timeline i guess um, so Halloween mm-hmm. released in 1978 mm-hmm. directed by John Carpenter written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill and here's the synopsis 
15 years after murdering his sister on Halloween night in 1963, Michael Myers escapes from a mental hospital and returns to the small town of Haddonfield, Illinois, to kill again. So, before we dive into what we thought about the film, I'm going to reel off some trivia about it. As you can imagine, there's a lot of trivia about this film, so I've had to narrow it down to like the most interesting ones. There's still... <laughs> A lot, <laughs> because you know it's it's great to nerd out about this film, you know, because we love it so much. Um, and there's some really interesting ones that I can't wait to share with you. Um, but this is your spoiler warning, everybody. I know it's a ridiculous idea to even entertain, but if you haven't seen this movie, <laughs> pause this podcast, go and watch it, and come back and join us. Um, I don't think it's on any streaming services it's here not. in the UK. It's not here it either. There? No. But we're lucky enough to own them, so... Yes. Any horror fan worth their salt should own this movie. Um, So, okay, the trivia. So the first one um, I found out when watching the director's commentary with Jamie Lee Curtis and John Carpenter on the bonus features of my Italian Halloween Blu-ray box set. Um, By the way, I watched this film like three times like in a row. In preparation for this oh podcast. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> so with all the all the commentary, everything else. So yeah, I'm clued up. Um, so yeah, J- so Jamie Lee Curtis hates horror movies, and she's actually terrified of watching this movie. Like it's actually hilarious to listen to her commentary with John Carpenter. Oh, I bet. Because <laughs> she was like freaking out all the way through, saying how scary it was. Um, you know, in spite of her scream queen status, uh, you know, she admitted, uh, she said, I loathe horror movies. I don't like to be surprised. Um, it's just so funny that she's in, like, the probably the most famous horror film of all I time. I know. She hates the. She's also, like, avoided horror cons for years because she, like, distanced herself. Um, I think she did, like, The Fog and Prom Night. And maybe one other horror, and then she sort of distanced herself, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. Mm. And then you and know, she wanted to be a Hollywood actor. She's freak- and she did fucking well. She did. Yeah. I mean, Freaky Friday with Lindsay Lohan. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, one of the best movies. Did you ever? Did you ever see Knives Out? Yeah, that movie was great. That was that was wild, wasn't it? That movie was so like I just like movies like that. They're just so good. Like a who done it kind of mm-hmm. thing. You know what I need to watch? Like, it's a big one in America, but it's it's kind of almost like a cult one here. Clue. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, that's, I keep meaning to watch that. That's definitely a good, like, early, was it early 90s? Yeah, I think, was Tim Curry in that yeah. as well? Mm-hmm. Oh, God, I love him so much. Um, another good Jamie Lee Curtis one, uh, which we'll be watching soon enough, Um What's that fucking the Christmas one called? Oh, Christmas with the Cranks. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> it's so terrible. It's so terrible, <laughs> but you gotta watch it. It's one of those. You have, you have to watch it. Um, something else about Jamie Lee Curtis that just popped into my head as well. Just, you know, I've got this blind deaf dog called Oscar. <laughs> well, he was in the room when we were watching Halloween, and we've noticed sometimes that like very like certain pitch like certain pitch noises he can hear um and believe it or not when in the third act when jamie lee curtis is screaming he stood up and looked around (laughs) 
<laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis's scream. Oh wow! <laughs> makes my deaf dog hear. <laughs> it's crazy. It's a miracle. Genuinely, like, distressed, like, looking around. And Abby was like, turn it down. He's scared. Oh, poor <laughs> it's baby. Like, it's all right. It's only Jamie Lee. Um, yeah, so anyway, let's get back to these facts. Um, what have we got here? Oh, yeah, another fun fact that I found out from the director's commentary. She actually hates working with kids. Um, and that's not because she's a mean old lady who doesn't like them. Uh, quite the opposite she actually doesn't agree with it like she thinks it's exploitative is that a word Mm -hmm. um cruel to make kids work as actors um like she feels sorry for them um but she also said that she hates working with them because they're of their unpredictability on set apparently some can be quite like misbehaved and understandably like fidgety Mm -hmm. and require you know like multiple takes and apparently Brian Andrews, who who played Tommy Doyle, was a really fidgety kid. And he would not sit still for scenes. And that scene when they're both sat on the couch and Laurie is having like a really sweet moment with him saying, I'm not going to let the boogeyman get you. Um, she was actually gripping his arm like tightly, <laughs> holding him in place the entire time so that he wouldn't move and block her shot. That is hilarious. So if you look closely, you can see her just like gripping his arm, like keeping him in place. I agree with her on the kid work. I'm like, how is that not illegal to make your child work? But whatever. Yeah, I mean, it is a weird one, isn't it? That's it is yeah. a weird one because some of it. Part of me thinks like, oh, you know, I guess like it'd be really cool to do that as a kid, you know, like. But yeah, I mean, she's she's definitely got a point. <laughs> yeah. Um, the movie that Tommy and Laurie are watching is the original 1951 movie, The Thing from Another World. Okay, good. I knew you were going to tell me. I was like, I need to know. So I was confused for years, but I'll tell you the second part of this. So four years later, John Carpenter made a new version of it in 1982 and simply titled it The Thing. Because I was confused for years because I was like, I'm sure that's a John Carpenter film, The Thing. I was like, but it came out after this? So how are they watching that on the... You know, <laughs> I was like, it doesn't make any sense. So I'm glad that cleared that up Have you me. ever watched it? The Thing? Well, I've not seen either, no. No? The Thing is so good. That was the first That was the first John Carpenter movie I ever watched. I think mine was The Fog. Um, or Assault on Precinct 13. I haven't seen either of those movies. But um, no, the thing, it's always just evaded me. I don't know why, but I've never stumbled upon it, you know, on DVD or I've never had it on VHS or anything like that. And I've never seen it on any streaming services. So it's just never come onto my radar, but I, I will get to it. I know there's probably tons of people screaming at their podcast devices right now. saying, I can't believe you've not watched the fucking thing. Um, Field Mouse is probably one of them. I oh, know. He has a go at me about all sorts on this podcast. (laughs) Um, What's the next one? Let's see. Oh, it's a rare slasher movie during which we see the killer driving. Another famous example is in Friday the 13th, 1980. Um, Halloween was shot in 20 days in the spring of 1978. Wow. 
On a budget of $300,000, the film went on to gross $47 million at the, at the US box office. Wow. Today, that would be the equivalent of $150 million, making Halloween one of the most successful independent films of all time. That is, that's amazing. That's just, yeah. it's just so great. Yeah. The original script was titled The Babysitter Murders, and it had the events take place over the space of several days. It was a budgetary decision to change the script to have everything happen on the same day. Doing this reduced the number of costume changes and locations required, and it was decided that Halloween, the scariest night of the year, was a perfect night for this to happen. I mean, that is such a great decision. I know! Because I I can't see it being anywhere near as impactful if it was called The Babysitter Murders and went on for like a week. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that... I mean... To me, whenever I hear things like that, I'm like, can you imagine just sitting there and you make this tiny decision and it affects you for the rest of your life? Yeah, it's crazy. Like, all because they needed to save on the budget. Yeah. And it just worked so much better in their favor, you know? That's wild. And I think that plays like a massive part in the beauty of this film. The fact that it all happens on the same day, on Halloween. Mm -hmm. Like... You follow these characters like almost in real time, and it just works so well. Mm-hmm. Um, John Carpenter considered hiring Jamie Lee Curtis as the ultimate tribute to Alfred Hitchcock, who'd given her mother, Janet Lee, legendary status in Psycho, 1960. During the same period, Universal Studios producers and director Richard Franklin were trying to enroll Jamie Lee in the new production of Psycho 2. Um, have you seen any of the Psychos? Oh, yeah. I mean, I well, I've only seen the first, the you know, the original. I've never seen any of the... You know what? I really like the second one. Really? I need to watch it. Yeah. It's great. I, I mean, I might be in the minority here, but I kind of I watch it more than the first one. Like, <laughs> and I know the first one's like, you know, obviously the Stone Cold classic. Yeah. But um, Psycho 2 is just, I don't know, like, it's just fucking wild. You have to check it out. I have I to will. do a podcast on the Psycho films. Okay. Uh, did did yes. you see the remake? No. With that, Vince Vaughn. Oh, I was going to say Vince Vaughn, no. <laughs> oh, it's awful. Oh, it's I, so bad. First of all, it has Vince Vaughn in it. Okay. <laughs> he's only good in dodgeball. Yeah, like he's only good as being like um, Anchorman, you know. <laughs> anyway, I'll follow this... Um, the rest of this fact up now. So Jamie Lee was also sought after as a child actor because of this status. The producers of The Exorcist contacted her mother and asked if Jamie Lee would play the starring role of Regan. Oh, wow. To which she declined. So maybe she gets that off her mum, like, no to child actors. Um, Yeah. Of all the female leads... All the girls that are supposed to be in high school, only Jamie Lee Curtis was actually a teenager at the time of shooting. She looks the oldest too, which is funny. Yeah, she does. <laughs> Don't you think that like everyone in the 70s looked so much older than they were? Yeah. Whether it was like the fashion or the hairstyles or whatever. But man, like like kids didn't look like kids then. They didn't look like teenagers. Like They looked like 30-odd. I know, and I told Kevin too last night, I was like, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis has always looked like an adult to me, even whenever, in in that movie, she looked like an adult, even though she was, like, what, 17? 
something like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I don't know how old she was in this. That was that's probably something I should have found out. But no, um, it's it is weird. Like they've just got that um, that thing about them, haven't they? Like seventies mm-hmm. teenagers, they just yeah. look like adults. <laughs> Um, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill have stated many times over the years that they did not consciously set out to depict virginity as a way of defeating a rampaging killer. And the reason why all the horny teens all die is simply that they are so preoccupied with getting laid that they don't notice that there's a killer at large. <laughs> On the other hand, Laurie Strode spends a lot of time on her own and is therefore more alert. Um you know, but this accidentally started like a famous horror movie trope. Yeah. You know, where all the teens having sex get killed and the good girl is the final girl, you know. Um, it was revealed that the crew had chosen two masks. So this is the mask thing now. Actually, before we get into this, I need to send you over some reference pictures. Okay, so it was revealed that the crew had chosen two masks to decide on for Michael Myers. The first was a Don Post Emmett Kelly clown mask that they put frizzy red hair on. Um, Now, Emmett Kelly was an American circus performer who created the clown figure Weary Willie um, based on the hobos of the Great Depression in the 1930s. Um, I'll send you over a picture of Weary Willie and the Weary Willie mask uh, along with the the Kirk mask as well, so you can just have a quick look at these. So, <laughs> so I'll throw these up on the Instagram. Uh, yeah, so that's the that's the clown mask, and they put red hair on that. So they tried that one, and then the other one was the 1975 Captain James T. Kirk mask, uh, again from Don Post, and um, that was purchased for around a dollar, Golly. <laughs> so it had the eyebrows and the sideburns ripped off it and the face was painted white and the hair was spray painted brown and the eyes were opened up more and they tested out the Kirk mask and the crew decided that it was like way more creepy because it was just emotionless um, and this became the Michael Myers mask. But they also considered uh, Richard Nixon... Uh, and another fellow Star Trek character, Mr. Spock. Hmm. But, yeah, I think you were about to say it again, like, this tiny decision. Yes, that's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. How iconic that, like, one little... Um, and it's it's ironic. It's so ironic because they asked Don Post Studios to actually create a new mask for them for this movie, but they couldn't afford the numerous costs involved for creating a mask from scratch. Mm. Um, you know, ironically, Don Post actually made the Captain Kirk mask, um, which they altered to create the shape. And then Don Post later went on to actually produce the pumpkin mask for Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Brilliant. Um and, you know, that's when they had that Michael Myers money to afford it. Um, but, of course, you know, that they they produced the original Skull and Witch mask uh, already before that film was produced. Um, and it's funny about this Shatner thing because apparently Shatner was initially not happy with his likeness that was used in the mask <laughs> of this demonic, hideous serial killer. Um, and it was also said that Mike Myers, the Canadian comedian, um, 
from Wayne's World was as well um, not very happy um, about the serial killer with the same name. <laughs> yeah, but um, was Mike Myers even like a thing in 1978? Very good. Very good question. Huh. I don't know. But, um, yeah. Um, so John Carpenter's intent with the character of Michael Myers was that the audience should never be able to relate to him. Mm. Which is later ruined in some of the sequels. <laughs> but we'll get to that when we get to it. <laughs> but he did a fantastic job with that in this movie, that's for sure, mm-hmm. because you just can't you just can't understand him. You know, there's literally there's nothing there um to relate to in the slightest. You're just like, why is this guy doing what he's doing? And why is he just so terrifying? <laughs> Um, the opening scene of the movie with the murder at the Myers house was actually the final scene they shot. Oh, um, wow. And the Myers house was actually a decrepit abandoned house in South Pasadena in the neighborhood where they filmed. So they shot the scenes in the Myers house in the movie. Um, the interior and the exterior, that's the exact house where they filmed it. Um, so it was all run down and creepy. Um, so they did that, and then they came to shooting the POV murder scene, and the entire crew and the cast all pitched together and set dressed and painted the house white and did it up. Um, even Jamie Lee Curtis pasted wallpaper and hung curtains. Um, they even had to set up electricity and running water. Like it's just so cool how like it was such a team effort. Like it's a proper indie film. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, um, and that house has now been relocated, and it's now a chiropractor's office. Oh. So yeah, pilgrimage, definitely. Yeah. One day, I'll get to check that house out. I know, same. Uh, John Carpenter approached Peter Cushing, who played General Tarkin in Star Wars, and Christopher Lee, who played Count Dooku in Star Wars, to play the roles of Dr. Sam Loomis. That was eventually played by Donald Pleasance. Both turned him down due to low pay. Um, Lee later said that it was the biggest mistake he'd ever made in his career. Oh. <laughs> Donald Pleasance was paid $20,000 for five days' work, which would be just under $84,000 today. Um, today, A-list celebrities are being paid on average fifteen to $20 million Jesus. for a big budget movie. <laughs> But for an indie movie, that's pretty good pay. Um, Donald Pleasance did all of his scenes in only five days of shooting, and the total duration of his scenes is just over 18 minutes. And what an impact he made in those 18 minutes. Um, John Carpenter was only paid $10,000 to write, direct, and score the film. Deborah Hill, who was way more savvy with her decisions with this movie, works for no salary but a percentage of all the profits. Oh. So as the film grossed in excess of $70 million, this proved to be highly lucrative. Like, she was so smart. She knew. She knew that this movie had something. And this is why John Carpenter is forced to keep making Halloween movies, uh, because he only got 10 grand. Oh. She's probably still Um, making movies. I mean, still making money off of it. Oh, hell yeah, yeah. I mean, like I say, what a decision that was that worked out for her. Um, so as the film was shot out of sequence, 
John Carpenter created a fear meter so that Jamie Lee Curtis would know what level of terror she should be exhibiting. Mm. Um, The story is based on an experience John Carpenter had in college touring a psychiatric hospital. Carpenter met a child who stared at him with a look of evil and it terrified me. Oh. Oh, no. No, (laughs) no, no. (laughs) Not the evil child shit. Nope. (laughs) The stabbing sound effect is actually a knife stabbing a watermelon. I knew that. (laughs) I did not know that. Um, the Halloween theme is written in a rare 5-4 time signature. John Carpenter learned this rhythm from his father. That's so awesome. Yeah. And it's so it like it's such a creepy... I mean, obviously we'll go into the score, but it's so unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. John Carpenter wrote the role of Linda for PJ Souls after seeing her performance in 1976 as Carrie. Nice. So he actually, actually wrote that for her. Um, Deborah Hill wrote most of the dialogue for the female characters while John Carpenter concentrated on Dr. Loomis's speeches um, Deborah Hill and John Carpenter were a couple not just business partners uh, when they were working on this movie and Jamie Lee Curtis has said in interviews they were my horror movie parents they were parents, I was the child when they broke up in 1979 I cried Oh. <laughs> According to screenwriter, producer Deborah Hill, the character Laurie Strode was named after John Carpenter's first girlfriend. Weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder why they broke up. <laughs> All of the actors wore their own clothes. Since there was no money for a costume department, Jamie Lee Curtis went to J.C. Penny for Laurie Strode's wardrobe. She spent less than $100 for the entire set. Nice. Yeah. So fucking DIY, this film. It's brilliant. Oh, I know. I'm loving this. <laughs> it's just like, it inspires you. It's like, well, they, you know, I could just literally go out and make a movie with my friends, you know, like... And it could become... Come, yeah. yeah, it could become Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> the best movie of all time. <laughs> when they were shooting the scenes for the start of the film, all of the ones, um, you know, from Michael Myers POV... Um, they couldn't get a six-year-old child actor until the last day, so the movie's producer, Deborah Hill, volunteered to be Michael Myers for the scenes where his hands come into view, um, and this is why the the nails on the young Michael Myers' hands look so well manicured and varnished. <laughs> <laughs> the average age of the film cast and crew was just 26. Wow. Crazy. These were kids making this film. For its first airing on television, extra scenes had to be added to make it fit the desired time slot. John Carpenter filmed these during the production of Halloween 2 in 1981 against his better judgment. Um, So yeah, there's actually an extended uh, TV cut uh, that I've not actually seen. Hmm. I mean, I know that's crazy. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. I just learned about that like recently. Yeah, we're such big fans, and we've not seen it. I mean, it's not on. It's not on any of these fancy Blu-rays that I own or, or anything like that. So I don't know where I can actually watch it. I mean, I might have to sail the seven seas on the internet, I guess, yeah. to check that out. Um, but I've heard that it's it's that it's not really good at all. Like yeah. these extra scenes are kind of um, yeah, kind of shite. Um, stuff about the shape here. See if you know this. 
So there's actually five different people who played the shape in the movie. So there's Nick Castle. He did it throughout the entire movie. Tony Moran, who was um, his face when he, he got his mask taken off at the end. Uh, stuntman James Winburn. Production designer Tommy Lee Wallace. I think he did the closet scene. And co-writer, co-producer Deborah Hill in the <laughs> external wide shot where Tommy sees the shape uh, for the first time through the window. I think I'd said on a previous podcast that it was um, Jamie Lee who looks through the window and sees that, but that was a that was a mistake. It's Tommy. Uh, did you know that? I did. Mm-hmm. You did? Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you know this one? This is great. Tommy Lee Wallace cut out the pumpkin for the opening credits. Hmm, I, don't, I guess I didn't know that one. No, I didn't know that. Originally, Nick Castle was just on set to watch the movie be filmed. It was at the suggestion of John Carpenter that he took up the role of Michael Myers. Um, so Nick Castle was just John Carpenter's mate there to watch it happening. That's so <laughs> cool. It's the definition of like right place at the right oh. time. Jeez. Um, yeah, Nick Castle admitted that the only reason he accepted the opportunity was for a chance to witness what goes into directing a film. Um, he says, my only reason for, for being on set was to kind of um, demystify the directing experience for me because John was a pal. Uh, they were shooting the majority of this near my house and he said, well, why don't you be the guy walking around in the mask and you'll be there the whole time. Nice. <laughs> so sick. Carpenter showed Halloween to an executive before it was finished. He showed the movie without the music. The executive didn't find it scary at all. After the film was released and she saw it, she changed her mind, an indication of how much Carpenter's score adds to the film's atmosphere. Wow. 100%. You know, I mean, it's so integral to this movie. Yeah, for sure. Um, As the film was made in spring... The crew had huge difficulty in procuring pumpkins. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis has played Laurie Strode in films released in six different decades from the 1970s to the 2020s. So there's this film, um, Halloween 2 in 1981, Halloween H2O in 1998, Halloween Resurrection in 2002, Halloween in 2018, and Halloween Kills in 2021. Jeez. Um, and she's actually just re- recently received a Lifetime Achievement Award the other week. Um, really? She was awarded uh, the Golden Lion for Lifetime Achievement at the 78th Venice International Film Festival um, in Venice in Italy. That's awesome. So, oh, she fucking deserves it, man. You know? <laughs> to ensure Michael Myers would break the window of the station wagon as Dr. Loomis approaches the insane asylum, a wrench was adhered to his forearm and hand. It was then painted flesh-coloured to hide it from the camera. I was wondering, um, I was like, how? Is he strong enough you can, just to... <laughs> you can still clearly see that on every version. I, um, I didn't pay attention. It's very visible. <laughs> oh, yeah, if you pause it, you can see that wrench. Um, so here's my favourite bit of trivia. So as it has been noted, the killer is referred to as the shape in the script and the credits for this film. The word shape was used by Salem witch trials judges to describe spectres or spirits of the accused doing mischief or harming another person. Hmm. I did not know that. That's pretty creepy. That is really creepy. Um, 
<laughs> I love witchy shit. Um, John Carpenter was a huge fan of the original Canadian slasher film Black Christmas from 1974, which we're definitely going to do at some point. I have I not seen, seen it, it, no. Oh, man, I can't wait to do that one. Um, uh, so, yeah, he was a big fan of that film and asked Bob Clark if he could write a sequel to that film and received his permission uh, the script eventually evolved into a separate project inspired by the film. Um, but, there, I mean, once you see Black Christmas, I mean, we'll go into that, but there is a lot that he's taken from that. I don't want to say ripped off, but I'd say he's taken inspiration <laughs> from that film, definitely. Um, this film, uh, Halloween 1978, was voted the fifth scariest film of all time by Entertainment Weekly. Um, Will Sandin... Young Michael Myers became a police officer in Los Angeles. He had no interest in pursuing a full-time acting career. I mean, that strengthens Jamie Lee Curtis's argument about exploiting kids as actors. Yeah. <laughs> um, none of the comic books in Tommy's collection are real. You know, when she's like, yeah. Neutron Man, Tarantula Man. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was actually a really good accent. <laughs> I've watched this film far too much in the past few days. I know it off by heart. You're, but you did her accent, like the way she spoke, the exact same way. That is hilarious. So yeah, they were actually copies of Howard the Duck comics, mm. um, which I would, I mean, the nerd in me would love to own those exact ones. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like know which issues they are, because I love Howard the Duck as well. So yeah, I will find that out and track them comics down. I bet you will. Um, I will. <laughs> they will be mine. I was just yes, going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, So this film takes place primarily in the fictional town of Haddonfield, Illinois. Haddonfield, New Jersey is the hometown of screenwriter Deborah Hill. Oh. Um, now, this is probably my second favorite bit of trivia. <laughs> Actress and playboy model Sandy Johnson who played Judith Myers, said that um, the only thing she didn't like about making the movie is that the fake blood would stay in her skin. Since she was topless during the scene where Michael kills her, the blood was applied all over her bare chest and stomach, mm. and all of it had to be scrubbed off in between takes. And she remembered that whoever was doing it was really rough. Um, so Jamie Lee Curtis offered to do it, and she was much gentler, Aww. apparently. <laughs> And I think when I read this fact, my horny teenage boy mind just exploded. <laughs> I was just like, I can't, I just, I can't get this image out of my head. Now. Oh, jeez. <laughs> because damn, she was hot, that Sandy Johnson, fuck. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, moving along. And another cool fact, um, the original title sequence was to show a long shot of a sidewalk ending with a Halloween mask on the floor. The idea was dropped, and the more iconic title sequence of the jack-o'-lantern was used. And again, I'm so glad that this happened, Mm -hmm. because that title sequence is probably my favourite title sequence of all time. It is just fucking beautiful and iconic, you know. Um, And I don't think that other one would have anywhere near the impact that that one does. Not at all. Not Um, at all. This movie is called Witch's Night in Italy as Halloween was not a commonplace celebration there in 1978. Really? 
Interesting. Um, it in- so it introduced the feast of Halloween to Spain, uh, totally unknown at those times. Before they filmed Halloween, John Carpenter, Tommy Lee Wallace and Nick Castle were all in a rock band together called the Coupe de Villes. Hmm. Um, John Carpenter was the voice of Annie's boyfriend, Paul, who we hear on the phone talking to Lindsay and then to Annie. Hmm. So we've got a few goofs here that I want to go into. Oh, yay. I like so goofs. I'm going to ruin the film for you because it's been ruined for me. Um, <laughs> the candy glass in the scene where Laurie breaks the door to open it is like really obvious. I don't know if you've noticed it before, but it's like a bit, it's yellowy and it almost looks like it's the rest of the glass isn't there, but the one pane is. Um, in the final scene where Loomis shoots Michael and Laurie says it was the boogeyman, Laurie has lines down her face and it's marked where she'd just fallen asleep on the on a corduroy couch whilst uh, waiting between takes. That's hilarious. <laughs> she pointed that out in the director's commentary. Um, there's an, if you look real close, you can see. There's another one that Kevin pointed out to me that whenever she's in her room um, mm-hmm. and she looks outside and she sees Michael in the... Um, mm-hmm. There's a hair or something on the camera lens, and you can see it moving. Oh, really? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I've never known that. So he, he was like, do you see it? And I was, I, I didn't see it, and then, so he rewound it, and, and yep, it's there. Whoa. That's crazy. Kevin's the ultimate super fan, I think, of this film, because all the research I've done for this, and I've not seen anything yeah. to do with that. Really? That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let me tell you about this mask that he's got sitting in her living room and just scares <laughs> the crap out of me every morning when I wake up. <laughs> oh, sick. I've got my Halloween 2 mask on uh, my life-size cardboard cutout of Han Solo just staring at me in the dark here. It's great. And then he got the uh, the rep- the knife replica from, yeah, tr- so from Trick I. or Treat. Yeah, I've got that one. And then he's got a head coming in. He's got a what? A head. Oh, you mean like a bus to put it on? or? No, no, no. He's got a decapitated head coming in so he can walk oh, around with it. Oh, sick. Awesome. Is what? that like a, a Trick or Treat Studios one or just yes, a random head? Yes, no. It's a Trick or Treat Studios one. Oh, is it the one from H18? Mm-hmm. Like the, oh, mm-hmm. the really fucked up one. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I'm not excited for it. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> he's going all out he's gonna look amazing you gotta post some pictures I'm on the a, pod i'm so jealous because i'm like oh, my costume's not gonna look that great <laughs> <laughs> actually i'm because i was gonna be michael myers for halloween and i'm glad that i'm not now because kevin would totally up upstage <laughs> me there with that that costume um yeah so anyway uh let me see what's next oh the door in the doyle house opens on the wrong side in the exterior shots the door handle is on the right and in the interior the door handle is also on the right oh i'm sorry that i didn't notice you that forever. Oh, i'm glad i didn't notice that last night i would have yeah. been thinking about it the whole time i'm like oh come on it was jamie lee curtis that ruined that for me so she can ruin it for a lot of you now um so this movie was actually shot in the springtime in california so the production crew had to paint leaves brown and throw them about in every scene outside on the streets. 
And every time they finished a scene, they had to gather up all of the leaves off the ground, put them in bags, and carry them to the next scene. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, so, I mean, you can clearly see that all the leaves on the trees are all green, mm-hmm. and there's even a palm tree in one shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's lots of shots where you can see the brown leaves on the floor in the front, and then a few yards behind, there's, like, nothing but green grass and clean streets. That's pretty um, much how it is in Texas. I mean, but there would not have been palm trees in Illinois. Um, oh, no. Which you can oh, no. see in a few shots. <laughs> um, and this is an amazing bit of trivia, actually, that I didn't know. Um, so Robert England of A Nightmare on Elm Street, um, he revealed in an interview that John Carpenter had him throw bags of dead leaves on set for one day. Wow. So he was one of the dudes that threw the leaves in Halloween. Freddy Krueger was on Halloween, like, in some shape or form. <laughs> How sick is that? That is sick. Um, so the worst and final goof that's drove me insane for years. Bob forgets to shut the van door. He just leaves it wide open, and it bugs me so much every damn time. <laughs> like, you know, when they get out of the van. Yes. And he's like, oh, I'll rip your clothes off and all this shit. And then he just, like, they just he just leaves the van door open. Like, like a... Who does that? Like, I know this was like the 70s and it was meant to be like safe and shit, but I'm pretty sure you just don't leave your door open. But whatever. Um, so, okay, that's all the all the trivia and stuff out of the way. What are your initial thoughts on this movie, Ashley? So first of all, can you imagine being Jamie Lee Curtis and getting thrown into stardom because you're, this was your first movie? This is your. This was her debut movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was sitting here watching it. I was like, I. This movie is the most perfect first movie, because mm-hmm. now she's so well known from mm-hmm. this movie, and I don't know. I was just like, I was shocked last night. I was like thinking about it. I was like, that's crazy. Yeah. So overall, I think that like right there is pretty much the best part. Of the whole thing, it was just like in- introducing Jamie Lee Curtis. So I'm like, oh. yeah, but what an introduction, I mean, right? I mean, this movie just has it all and yeah. more, you know, definitely. I mean, I love it, it's perfect, you know, it's got it all the pacing, the direction, the soundtrack, it's absolutely genre defining, you know, it's just iconic. Um, I mean, it goes without saying, but. Um, it's just essential Halloween viewing, you know. Um, but before we totally nerd out about how awesome this film is, I want to talk about in the context in which we both watched it for the first time. Like, when did you watch it? Had you seen any of the other ones previously? Uh, what did you think of it on first watch? Um, do you want to go first? Um, yeah, sure. I I remember seeing it on TV when I was like younger as a kid but I didn't really watch it because I was scared, obviously. But when I really got into it was um, when I watched all of them at once uh, when I was sick one day, but this one obviously, like, stuck out than all the other ones because it's obviously amazing. And then I watched it over and over again. Now I watch it every Halloween, so now it's, like, top-tier Halloween movie. Yes. I mean, I've got a bit more of like an in-depth 
um, then go story for, it, for my mine's not first that exposure. Sorry. Um, because I mean, obviously the same. Like I've watched it every Halloween now for as long as I can remember. Uh, but the first time I saw it um, was when me and my sister were growing up. Um, let me set the scene. It was cold Halloween English night um, after a beautiful, crisp, clear autumn's day. And the Halloween vibes were just perfect. Um, the setting was right, you know, middle class English suburb, leaves blowing on the ground. You know, we settled in for the night. Um, I can't remember how we obtained the movie to watch it, but I just distinctly remember being mesmerized by it. Like, I'd never seen anything like it before. That's so awesome. I remember being, like, scared to watch it because I'd never really seen a horror movie before. Um, I expect it to be, like, really horrible to watch and, like, gory and scary. But this movie just, like, completely amazed me and, like, captured my imagination. Um, It's, like, just the right amount of, like, spooky and scary. Like, there's no gore. You know, I'm not the biggest fan of gore because I'm squeamish. (laughs) Um, It has an atmosphere as well, like no other. Um, And the thing that struck a chord with me most was the idea of it, like... Like, it can happen in a safe neighborhood, Mm -hmm. in a normal town, in a nice house, just like the one I was living in. And, you know, the idea of the killer madman in a mask just silently stalking you around the neighborhood and creeping into your house unnoticed, (laughs) it completely chilled me to the bone and just buried itself in my my imagination. Um, And I remember the impact the score had on me as well. Like, I just fell in love with it instantly. Like, when the credits rolled, I just remember being in awe, and I just thought it was the greatest movie I'd ever seen. Um, And, like, whenever I was in the house alone, I used to, like, pretend I was in the movie, and I used to, like, scare myself silly. Like, I'd convince myself that Michael Myers was, like, just around the corner or in, like, the next room or upstairs or, like, hiding behind a door. Um, And, like, the aesthetic of the shape... You know, the mask, it's just so frightening and chilling, you know, like that emotionless blank expression. And I just thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Yeah. And on Halloween, no matter what costume I'd be wearing, I'd always pretend I was Michael Myers, like walking down the street <laughs> all creepy. Like, I used to channel my inner shape while wearing like a ghost face mask or something. Oh my goodness. Because we we never had, like, Michael Myers masks on sale here in this country. Like, they just didn't exist. Like, I guess it was because there weren't any Halloween movies out at the time. Um, But, you you know, your run-of-the-mill, like, corner store or, like, a fancy dress shop, you just couldn't get your hands on one. Um, There was mainly just, like, classic monster masks, like a witch, a vampire, wolfman, Frankenstein, you know, or Ghostface, you know, because Scream was huge at the time. So I always, you know, I'd always be Ghostface. Uh, ironically, I didn't actually, I hadn't seen any of the Scream movies at that time. I just liked the look of the mask. Um, I just thought it was really cool and spooky looking. Um, But yeah, we'll go into more of that when we talk about the Scream movies. But um, yeah, there were ghost face masks everywhere. Uh, But back to Halloween. Um, Yeah, it it was years before I ended up getting my hands on the sequels to watch. Um, I had to buy the DVD box set. Uh, because they never show Halloween movies on like UK terrestrial TV. Um, but uh, another funny thing I remember growing up, I remember I had the ringtone on my phone. <gasps> um, like for years, like I bought it 
from one of those adverts in Kerrang! magazine. Like, do you remember when you had to buy ringtones and stuff? Mm-hmm. And you had like a you had to text a number and the money would get like taken mm-hmm. off your credit. Like I had like a Nokia like thirty three ten or a thirty three thirty or something. Mm-hmm. And um I'd have the I'd have the ringtone on my phone and like if my phone was upstairs and it'd go off, like I'd like go up the stairs with the theme playing and I just like just remember being like so stoked. Um <laughs> But yeah, that was that was my first experience with Halloween. That's basically. a cool experience, though. It's not as ne- not as nearly as cool as mine. <laughs> it's been a big part of my life for you know a long time. So I just I love it a bit so much. That's so awesome. Um, it holds a very special place in my heart. Um, so yeah, the storyline. I'm going to read out the storyline, <clears throat> and then we can get into it. So the year is 1963. The night Halloween. Police are called to 43 Lampkin Lane, only to discover that 15-year-old Judith Myers has been stabbed to death by her six-year-old brother Michael. After being institutionalised for 15 years, Myers breaks out on the night before Halloween. No one knows, nor wants to find out what will happen on October 31st, 1978. Besides Michael Myers' psychiatrist, Dr Loomis, he knows Michael is coming back to Haddonfield, but by the time the town realises it, it'll be too late for many people. So, the story of this movie, I think, is just genius. Mm-hmm. It preys on everyone's worst fear, like the most primal and simple of fears. Mm-hmm. You know, like a seemingly supernatural, evil, mentally disturbed person's going to stalk you. You know, that's just such a primal fear, you know. And he's going to break into your house and kill you and everyone you love. He's lurking in the places where you feel most safe, you know, in your own home. And it's something everyone can relate to. Oh, and so scary. It just personifies everything that scares us, you know. It's such a simple premise and plot. Also, the fact that it's on Halloween night when, you know, everybody says it's the scariest night of the year. You know, it just adds to that. Yeah, and he can slip. He slips through the cracks unnoticed because he's just a guy in a Halloween costume. Right. You know, if someone sees him walking about, it's not unusual. Um, it, which is just even. It just adds to it. There's so many layers that just make this such a genius idea. Um, but it's all about like how the tension is built mm-hmm. and how the stage is set for the finale. You know, like the whole film is just building, building, building. And John Carpenter is the master of suspense. You know, all the way through, we're given, like, just the right amount of tidbits of Michael and the shape. You know, we see him in the shadows. We see him from a distance. We see his POV. We never actually get a good close-up shot of him Mm -hmm. until, like, way into the movie, like, around three-quarters in. Um, It's when he strangles Linda with the telephone cord. That's the very first time you get a full-on clear view of the shape you know it, it, before then it could just be like a creepy looking guy you know like mm-hmm. he's just this mysterious creepy bloke and that's one of the genius choices of, in this film it's the way it's how much carpenter holds back it's far more effective than just showing you everything and just blowing your load in the first 10 minutes of the mm-hmm. movie you know like because once you've seen everything it's not scary anymore like, whatever your mind can conjure up and imagine is far more scary than anything that's presented to you. That's what Kevin always tells me when I start yeah. feeling feeling scared about stuff. He's like, your mind will tell you scarier things and it'll really happen. I'm yeah, like, okay. definitely. <laughs> it, you make it scarier than it is. 
and that's so you know some of the genius like one of the genius layers to this film is is how Carpenter directs it and how he holds back on so much. Mm-hmm. And by the time you get to see Myers, you know, you see the shape, you see the mask, you're terrified because of, you know, that tension that's been building up. And it's just so odd. It's such a bizarre imagery, isn't it? Um, so let's talk about things we loved about this film. Everything. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, everything, obviously. But let's talk about everything. I mean, for me, the cinematography is an absolute highlight. You know, I love the burnt orange for the day shots and mm-hmm. like the blue-black lighting for the night shots. It's just beautiful. You know, it just looks so it's nice. so good. But, I, I mean, I like it too. I just get annoyed because there's nobody around there's like all these empty (laughs) i didn't grow up in like a suburban area so i don't know if that's how it really looks well honestly like that's kind of accurate like where where i live like i'm not i'm not a rich boy right by any means but i'm i'm not you know i wasn't brought up in a poor area Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of similar to you know haddonfield where the doyle's house is um and it's pretty quiet, even on Halloween. Like that's so weird to me. Um, I know in America you guys like go like all out for Halloween. Oh but yeah. Here, like it's not really a thing. Like you know, on average, like you might get like a handful of kids knocking at your door, maybe two or three. It's not a big thing. Um, so that like the fact that it is so dead on the streets and like there's not many people around. I just related to it. I was like, well, this is like Birkdale. It's just exactly like where I live, you know, like. Hmm. The shots are gorgeous. And the funny thing is, is I love all the outfits in the movie too. <laughs> and the fact that they were yeah. all like the characters or the actors own clothes, which was awesome. Again, though, that it's it's kind of iconic what, what was created because, you know, you only have to put on a blue shirt and some blue flare jeans. Mm-hmm. And, you know, rip the arm and hold a knife and put a blonde wig on yep. and you're Laurie Strode. Yeah. You know, it's it's so simple. It's so iconic. You know, it's crazy. What about the um, music? This is my favorite part. Oh, okay. I want to hear, hear what your thoughts are. So, I mean, the, jo- <laughs> the score by John Carpenter and Alan Howarth, you know, it's just haunting. Um, it's one of my all-time favorite scores. I always put this on when I'm driving around during spooky season. That's awesome. Like, it just really captures the creepy vibes. Uh, You know, one of my favorite things in the world is putting on this soundtrack while it's a cold autumn's day and the leaves are falling and I'm just cruising around my neighborhood like Mikey stalking the streets in his Ford station wagon. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I also drive a Ford. It's not a cool 1978 station wagon, unfortunately. Um, it's a 2005 Ford Focus, but I still t- try and pretend I'm him. Uh, especially, I, I love it when it's like it's foggy as well, and I've got that score on. It's just, oh, it's just, it's what I live for, honestly. That's so awesome. Have you got some thoughts on the score? Just everything. Just okay. So that song, or that you know, theme song, whatever, in the beginning, so great. And then as the the music's going on and. He, you know, I was listening to a podcast earlier and she was talking about how like in scary movies she doesn't like cheap scares, you know, where the music gets really loud and yeah. 
and then it scares you. But in Halloween, I like that because it's not a cheap scare. It's just a preparation scare, <laughs> I guess, yeah. is the best way it of just, saying that. It's one of the best scores to complement the imagery in a film. Like, And like you say, like when a scary scene ha- happens, like almost like a jump scare, and you get like that, that's... It almost sounds like a knife stabbing mm-hmm. in the score, and, and like yes. the, the synths kick in, and like it, it is very psycho in parts. You mm-hmm. know, he's taking inspiration from that score. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just masterful. You know, there's just you can't fault anything to do with this score. It's just so fucking good. <laughs> I mean, he just is brilliant, and he just did it, or they just did a um. Churches, the band that I've been obsessed with for like a month now, just did a Chivitch. Yeah, Chivitch. Chivitch. They have a John Carpenter remake of one of their songs, and it's really cool. <laughs> I'll have to check that out. It is. It's awesome. And uh, I don't know. I just, his style is just unique and really just, it gets, it's haunting. It sticks with you. Yeah. That is the word, haunting. It just gets under your skin. Yeah. And, yeah, there's just... There's nothing like a John Carpenter score. It's just so sick. Um, What about the camera work? So good. It's just masterful. Again, I'm going to be using that word a lot. I think and and masterful. it's simple. It, there's a lot of simple things to this movie. Like... Yeah. One of my favorite things was just the... the um, whenever it just kind of goes down and it just says the word Halloween... Mm-hmm. And it's just so simple and crisp yeah. and nice, yeah. and it just like, yeah. <laughs> uh. it's so good. <laughs> um, the POV as well, like I just I love that. I love what he did with the POV stuff. Yeah. You know, obviously taken from Black Christmas, but my favorite thing about the camera work in this is the way that Carpenter like lingers on shots for yes. so long yes like nobody in hollywood these days does that like it's just a style of directing that's a lost art like mm-hmm. everything's too quick now and slick and over edited and this movie just lets everything soak in and resonate with you mm-hmm. like that's why you get all the vibes and the atmosphere you know this is the problem that i have with modern horrors like no one uses lighting and detail mm-hmm. to provoke scares anymore. They just use special effects yeah. and rivers of blood. And it's just not the same. Like, you can't be scared by a giant special effect that makes loud noises right. and jumps out of a wall. You know, it's the moments where the killer is like lurking somewhere and you don't know where. And it's scary, you know, like, and that's where Halloween succeeds. Like, no film ever in this endeavor it's it's why i always gravitate back towards 80 slashes and movies that mm-hmm. are filmed and directed like this you know they're my favorite um something else that i found like so clever in this movie it's a slasher and there's hardly any blood i was literally just about to say that I was like it's it's not gory but it's still, there's no gore whatsoever. It's still you know, like, <laughs> yeah, it follows in the footsteps of Psycho again. Like yeah. it's almost a, a, a term that you coined, I think, diet spooky. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> um, oh shit! Actually, I'm gonna take a pee break quick as well. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> okay.
Won't be long. Um, it's weird, you know, like, even just coming out of this room into the rest of the house then and, like, going downstairs and that, it gives me Halloween vibes because, like, <laughs> when I started this podcast, like, obviously it was light and I've not had any of the lights on in the house. Oh, So I come out of this door and it's all in darkness and I'm walking around the house I'm like... I fucking, I'm getting Michael Myers vibes, like... <laughs> I'm gonna turn the corner like and there he's gonna be. Yeah. I don't know what it is about this house, because this is the house that I've sort of, you know, I've lived here on and off for like 30 years, and that's where I first watched Halloween and stuff, so... Oh, that's so awesome. This is my Halloween house, and it's also haunted as fuck, so... <laughs> oh, actually, let me tell you this right? Oh, quick. no, is it scary? Something happened last night, <laughs> oh. you wouldn't believe this, right? Abby's ass got grabbed. <gasps> I'm not shitting you. Like, like straight up, like whole hand grabbed or like pinched. Well, she said brushed past. Oh, she, but she was convinced. Like she said, that was a definite, definite touch, and she was like proper freaked out about oh, it. Oh no, I'd be proper like, freaked out about it too. <laughs> yeah, like it was. It was funny because like I was like, oh, I'm going to bed. I'm really tired. I've been you know nonstop. So she stayed downstairs for a little bit. And I went to bed early and then I heard her come upstairs and go into the bathroom and brush her teeth. And all of a sudden she just went, something just touched my ass. Oh no. And I was like, what? And she goes, I'm not kidding. Something just gr- grabbed my ass, like brushed past my ass. And I said, well, what were you doing? She was like, I was brushing my teeth and I was sort of bending over at the sink. And I said, well, is there a towel that like grazed your ass when you bent over or, you know, something like that? And she was like, no, like, because we've had the, we've literally just had the bathroom redone. We, you know, we got it like ripped out totally and new suite put and everything. And, and there's like a big space like around that area now. So there's nothing close to the sink at all. And I was like, that's so weird because I was just thinking about how renovations disturb spirits in houses. Mm-hmm. You know, like when there's stuff going on, that's oh, usually no. when things start to happen. And, yeah, we've had the bathroom done, and she gets her ass grabbed. Oi, oi, oi. <laughs> but she was actually... It was probably the most freaked out I'd seen her. Um, even more so than the one of me peeping around the door. Uh, because she said that she can sort of explain that away and say, oh, I was it was at the corner of my eye, or I was looking in the mirror, and it was, you know... It could have been, you know, just a shadow or whatever. But this one, she was like, it was a definite touch she was like this one has like cemented it for me into thinking that yes there is something in this house well you better uh you better tell him to stop groping your girlfriend (laughs) i mean your fiance (laughs) honestly i was trying not to laugh and she was like you think this is funny don't you i was like to be honest yes i do like i'm sorry um and i wasn't giving her any sympathy i just thought it was funny um and she was like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna tell him that he can't touch me and she was like you don't have permission to touch my arm. Oh, I would have done the same thing. <laughs> she was like, that was rude. <laughs> so funny. But I'm hoping now, because I'm saying it out loud, that they can hear this and they know that they're getting attention. Because I want something to happen to me. Imagine. Do you want your something... ass to get grabbed? Yeah, why not? <laughs> I'll have it grabbed. I've not had it grabbed in a while. <laughs> Get some action on this ghost. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, 
Imagine if something happened live on pod right now. Oh my god, I would just hang up and never talk Cause... to you again. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm sat in this dark house. Like, literally, I've got one light on the whole light. Um, and the rest of the house is pitch black. I'm just sat here like a fucking goth weirdo. Um, so I'm waiting for something spooky to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay let's get back to it i don't even know where we I might, were i might leave that in because it's quite funny that is pretty um, funny oh yeah so we were talking about uh the blood hardly any blood oh yeah diet spooky yes so it's like, not even, but okay so it's not even diet spooky though it's like i don't know like it's still spooky it just doesn't have that gore effect, which yeah. is nice. I mean, the only blood seen in this movie is when Judith Myers is killed. Yeah. Um, when Laurie discovers the dangling body of Bob. Yeah. And the laid out body of Annie, whose throat was slit and the blood is visible. Um, and the body of the man that Michael Myers killed for his clothes. Oh, you know, yeah, After yeah. Loomis makes the phone call mm-hmm. by the railroad tracks. Um, and there's also some blood on Laurie's hand and arm when she escapes from Michael. Mm-hmm. But that's it. Like, it's not like a plot point. I feel like a lot of horrors, they they come up with, like, the kill and the, the special effect and build the movie around that. And yeah. it shows. Well, like, know? just recently watching the, the original uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, that whole scene in the bedroom when the girl's just, like, just getting, like, pushed around the ceiling and everything there's just like blood just yeah every i mean i love that which is a great it's, so it's a great scene I, it, yeah, yeah i mean it's a fantastic scene it's just like they're two different vibes that mm-hmm. one that one feels more like i don't want to say a fake vibe but like a that probably won't happen in life vibe as to the michael myers one is like that could yeah happen. well it's <laughs> You know, Nightmare on Elm Street is pure fantasy. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like fantasy horror. Yeah, but I mean, this one is like, it's like, um, it's kind of like it's a horror movie you wouldn't mind showing your mum, like, or someone that might be squeamish. You know, yeah, like, yeah. As far as horrors go, it's like massively tame on the gore, and you know, as I discovered, it's a great introduction into horror. Yeah, you for know, sure. it's, it's the one that opened the door for me. It's the first one I ever saw. And it'll be like, it'll probably be the first horror movie I show my son in a few years, you know, like, yeah. and hopefully it'll become like a Hall- Halloween tradition that I experienced with my sister growing up, you know, like. Yeah, I mean, other than the boobs, it is something you I could, you know, definitely show my mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, mom, just close your eyes at this part right here. <laughs> But it's okay if you see him stabbing a man and impaling him. Yeah, him no, on that's wall. fine. And the other <laughs> part, I'll tell her to close her eyes is whenever he kills the dog. That part just breaks my heart every time. Yeah, yeah, I don't like that. I mean, we've talked about that in a, mm. in the first episode of Think how we don't like animal cruelty no. or an, animal kills in films. But this one's kind of yeah. You don't well. You, the first time a dead dog is mentioned, you don't actually see anything. Which I I very much appreciate that they didn't, yeah. you know. It, yeah, but again, sure. it's like it's left to your imagination, and in your head, you're picturing this mangled dog, and you're thinking, "Oh, it's horrible." But there's nothing there. Like yeah. <laughs> literally, they're looking at nothing, and in your mind, you're like, "Oh, this is gross." But you never actually see anything. 
Um, did this movie invent the jump scare? You know, like maybe. I know, I know that Carrie had one at the end, but I feel like this was the first one with jump scares like laced throughout the movie. Well, I haven't, you know? I haven't seen enough scary, like older scary movies to to truly know, but. Yeah, that could be. I mean, maybe hmm, I'm thinking about Black Christmas, but I mean, pe- you know, people correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, what movie didn't in- invent the jump scare? Really? Yeah. I don't know. Um. So, what was your favorite scene? Hmm. That's a hard one. It's a very hard one. I mean, there's so many amazing, memorable scenes. You know. It's got to be the scene where she. When she was in the closet, she knocked him out or whatever, and she's, like, leaning up against the wall, and she's like, okay, I just have to kind of put myself back together and, you know, go, and then you just see him just slightly go into the light, and you just see that, and I'm just, oh, just gives me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just, again, masterfully directed, and the lighting and everything is just perfect. Um. I picked the closet scene actually, the oh, one just before okay. that, nice. um, where you know where she's hiding in the closet and Michael breaks through. It's just a phenomenal scene, you know. Mm-hmm. The tension is incredible. It's just so well directed. Like you feel the anxiety. Like every time you watch it, mm-hmm. you feel like you're hiding in that closet with her, and just the way she's so scared and like she tries to stop herself from making any noise, and then you see his shadow appear outside and then the doors rattle and he tries mm-hmm. to open it and then just busts right through and just like turns and looks right at her. And the way it's shot, it looks like he's looking right at you. Mm-hmm. Like, And then he starts swinging at her. And she grabs the coat hanger and just pokes him in the eye with it. It's just amazing. It just like, gives me such it, bad claustrophobia though because I'm like yeah. sitting there like, I don't even know what I would yeah. do in that situa- the situation. Uh, same, same. I'm, I'm actually really claustrophobic, so I think that's why that scene actually scares me. You know, like I feel the anxiety. Um, but when she pokes him in the eye, it's actually the second hit that Laurie gets in mm-hmm. after. You know, the knitting needle to the neck was the first one. Yeah, she's so badass. Um, and the score in this scene is just so fucking oh, incredible. So like it's it, it's screaming out, and it's just perfect. And it's also a beautiful, clear shot of the mask. And he just looks so scary. You know, Tommy Lee Wallace did a fantastic job playing the shape in that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, another one of my favourite scenes is when Laurie enters the Wallace house and discovers all of her dead friends. Oh, and all the yeah. tricks that Michael set up for her. And it's not just that reveal, though. It's the whole lead up to where we follow her from the Doyle house. You know, we follow her all the way across the road through the house, up the stairs to the bedroom, and it's all like one shot. Like, Mm -hmm. the camera lingers on her for such a long time and just builds up the tension just perfectly with that beautiful, creepy score in the background. You know, and then she opens the door to the bedroom and we see her reaction first and the terror and confusion on her face, you know, before we see, you know, the iconic shot of Annie laid dead on the mm-hmm. ar- on on the on the bed with her arms out and the Judith Myers gravestone above her and a lit jack-o'-lantern on the bedstand it's just genius mm-hmm. you know and then she steps back and then she's in shock and then Bob's body just swings oh, down I know. <laughs> fucking spider-man or something 
and then she jumps backwards like towards the cupboard and the door swings open and there's like dead Linda in there. It's just incredible directing again, you know. Um, I also love uh, Annie's death scene in the car, you know, where she like yeah. sits down in the car and she notices that the windows are fogged and then Myers just strikes from the back seat. It's just such a great scene because it pays attention to detail, like... You know, like, we know something's going to happen to Annie, mm-hmm. but she doesn't have a fucking clue. <laughs> it's brilliant. Because of this movie, I check the back of my car every time. <laughs> especially especially yeah. at night, but yeah. even during the day. Uh, like, when I'm coming, <laughs> when I go, when I'm in the parking lot at work, I walk out, I have the keys between my uh, fingers. <laughs> I look at my back seat, I get in my car, and I look at my back seat again. <laughs> I love um, the monologues by Loomis as well. Like when he's telling the sheriff about Michael, you know, the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. It gives me goosebumps every time. It's just amazing. You know, he delivers those lines so hauntingly. Yeah, he does. Um, Another one of my favorite scenes is where you think Michael's dead and it's focusing on Laurie. And then you can see Michael's body lying in the background. Yeah, and then all of a sudden he just sits up and she's got no idea. And you're like shouting at the screen, he's alive, he's behind you. It's like a pantomime. Do you guys have pantomimes over there? I don't know what that is. So maybe Pantomime? Not. No, it's like, um, oh, it's terrible. It's like, um, it's, it's a play um, at Christmas time. And they usually do, it's like for kids. And um, they're usually like a classic fairy tale or something. You've never heard of a pantomime, no? No. And it's like that. a oh, it's it's a it's a terrible thing. It's an awful British thing, and uh, you know you take your take your kids there, and it's like this big thing. But um, you always you, there's always a part where you go, he's behind you. It's like very crowd participating kind of nightmare scenario that I absolutely hate. You know? Oh, where... I know it. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. No, we don't really. I mean, I've never been to one, so. Awful. But I know what you're talking about. I've seen because <laughs> I, I hate anything where like you go and you know like a, if you go and watch a, a comedian or something and they like pick on you in the crowd and stuff or like oh I hate to, that crap man the crowd shit like where you got to do something or say something oh, oh no I, hate I, it. I I would rather I don't even know I would rather wax my arms than <laughs> all day long and then do something like that <laughs> I don't I even don't like it at like gigs when they go. Oh, make some noise, or you know, oh, so it's I like, it's like oh, it's so phone. cringy. Like, oh. I don't want to do anything. I want to stand at the back with my arms folded. You know, like I don't want to say anything. <laughs> I don't even really want to sing along. <laughs> That's embarrassing. I'm so similar to that. I... <laughs> like, if you see I me can't. at a gig, I look like I'm having the worst time ever, but I'm actually me like too about to explode in my mind because I'm just loving it, but I look like I've got RBF. Yep. <laughs> so glad I'm not alone on that. Jeez, <laughs> I mean, I never used to be like that. I used to be like front row, screaming my heart out of mosh mm-hmm. pits, but now I'm old. I just kind of want to stand mm-hmm. at the back and, and have a nice time and enjoy myself. I don't want to... That's exactly <laughs> how I felt at the show last week. Yes, like or two weeks ago. I mean, flash forward to when I go and see Salem next month, I'll probably be the exact opposite in the mosh pit, yeah. screaming along. But, um, yeah, I get thoroughly embarrassed when you have to do audience participation. I hate it. 
<laughs> just want the ground mm-hmm. to open me up. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, another um, another scene. Well, all the scenes that I love, all the shots where you just see, you subtly see the shape in the background. Like mm-hmm. it's just so well done. You know, that's what's masterful about this movie compared to all the other modern horrors out there. It's just the subtlety of the killer, not showing it so brazenly, mm-hmm. you know. The shots where Laurie's in the foreground and then the white mask is in the background, you know, it's just slowly lit up ever so slightly. It just appears from the darkness. It's just fucking genius, you know. Um, And the last one I want to mention, I love, I love the day scenes where Michael's stalking everyone. Like, the oh. Halloween vibes that are captured are just perfect. You know, for a springtime day in California, it feels mm-hmm. like an autumn day in the UK to me. You know, I've always loved those day scenes because it just captures the excitement for me of, like, waking up on Halloween morning. Like, there's, like, a stillness in the air. Like, I'm sure I create this all in my own head, but, you know, the vibe just feels different on a Halloween day, you know, and that yeah. movie defined it for me you know like like you say when the when when it just shows up on the screen halloween Mm -hmm. you know it just i I can't describe it's a feeling you know and that movie captures that feeling just perfectly or maybe maybe that movie created that feeling i don't know it's like what came first you know can i can i uh, tell you a funny story about halloween when i was a kid yeah of course okay so when I was growing up, Halloween was, of course, known as evil. <laughs> um, it still is. <laughs> well, yeah, but for some reason, when I was a kid, and I would go out on, like, Halloween day, like, before we went, if we even did anything on Halloween, I wouldn't look up at the sky because I was so afraid I was going to see a witch fly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you I didn't live in Halloween was, Town, Ashley. I, I, I probably was like nine or ten before I even like realized that that wasn't gonna happen. But oh my! That's God, like the remember. opposite of looking up to see Santa in his sleigh. You don't want to see a witch <laughs> flying across the sky. That's amazing. I was so scared. You I won't like. like... <laughs> you, you've not seen Paranorman, have you? The animated uh, movie. No, I ha- I've seen the beginning of it. I haven't watched the whole thing. Oh, I actually want to do an episode on that. I love it so much. Okay, but let's do there's it. There's a scene at the end where like there's like a witch's face in the sky, like Oh the... no. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll trigger you. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> what was your favourite kill? It has to be PJ Soul's kill because she goes like cross eyed. <laughs> <laughs> It's so good. I mean, I know he made that kill that <laughs> scene and that part specifically for her, but it's just <laughs> so great. Oh, that's like, just... the cheesiest death scene. It's my it's my favorite as well. I mean, it was really hard, but ultimately I settled on that one. You know, it's just I I, I loved obviously what you just said. Like that's just like for comedy purposes too. It's great, but. I love the fact that she's just totally unaware that her killer is right in front of her, dressed as a ghost, posing as her boyfriend, you know. And then he, the way he comes up behind her and strangles her with the telephone cord while she's on the phone to her friend. You know, like, Laurie can hear her getting killed, but she just thinks she's messing about, like, making sex noises. It's just yeah. genius. I love that in the struggle, the sheet falls off and 
this is the very first time you get a good clear shot of Michael's mask. You know, and it's just chilling and the timing is just perfect. And the music is... Yeah. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> and he grabs the phone and he listens to Laurie on the other end. It's just mm. so fucking good. I mean, like, that's really where the movie kind of almost just takes off, right, right yeah. there. Yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. And the lighting and the cinematography in that shot is beautiful too, like the cold blues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, a great scene. My second favorite one would be the boyfriend just getting stabbed and then he just like yeah. leaves him up there. I'm like, golly, that's a yeah. strong <laughs> knife. <laughs> that is a such a good kill because it's so fucking simple. Mm-hmm. He, just, he just impales him on the wall and he's just hanging there. And then the, the little subtle bit where he michael's just staring at him and he just tilts his head like he's admiring his artwork he's just created mm-hmm. it's just so good it's that what you were saying earlier about that just just lingering to kind of soak it oh in. yeah 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 that it lingers so nicely on that shot it's so good um this is probably a stupid question but who's your favorite character <sighs> i mean obviously the I mean, obviously, Michael is. <laughs> yeah, he's the goat. You know, he's yeah. the greatest of all but time. I mean, he's iconic, you know. I like. He's a horror icon. He's the one that started it all. For some reason, I don't I don't like the other friend, the not PJ Soul's friend. She's annoying mm-hmm. to me. Um, yeah, she's really annoying. Like, yeah. her character, I was just like, okay, whatever. Um, but, I mean, I did like PJ Oh, Soul. Paul. Yeah, it was just, <laughs> shut up. But, I mean, obviously, Laurie, because she's just, or Laurie, however you say it, she's just awesome. And Okay, let me ask you a question. Hold on. So, say you're outside, or you're at home, and you hear a woman screaming like that. What do you do? Are you going to be the one that's going to go outside and see what's wrong? (laughs) I asked Kevin I'm going to be the guy. I'm going to be the guy that twitches the curtains and then just turns the porch light off. I was like, holy crap. Kevin's like, oh. Oh, that's a bit funny. I don't know. That I, I want to mention in the Halloween fans group on Facebook, I can t- we can talk whatever we want about them because they don't listen to this podcast. I know, so and forget them. Because, yeah, well, I'm going to make fun of that group. And if you're listening, good. I want some interaction. Bring <laughs> bring us a fight. You know, we've had enough love on this podcast. I want some haters. <laughs> You know, where's the Halloween fans on Facebook? Don't be too mean to me. I'm very sensitive. (laughs) (laughs) Come at me, bros. Um, But yeah, one of them posted in that group about that that moment where uh, Laurie's uh, banging on the house and the guy doesn't let her in, you know. Um, (laughs) I think it was the same question. It was like, what would you do in this situation, you know? Mm -hmm. And then one of the comments was, I would have let her in. She's got a great ass. Oh no! <laughs> it's like, she's oh, the humanity. Or I don't know, maybe she's. But still, 18, that's your so. logic. I know. You check whether the girl's got a nice ass first before you let yeah. her in. Okay. Uh, no, not too nice. Bye, go die. <laughs> that's so funny. Sorry, what were you, what we gonna say before I cut you off then about? Oh. Um, what would you do? I don't know. I would probably just call the cops, but that's yeah. not it. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I asked him something else the other day too. Like, oh, we were watching. I know what you. I still know what you did last summer, 
and it's the scene where uh, Freddie Prince Jr. is driving to go see um, Jennifer Love Hewitt, and the ca- there's a car that drove off the side of the road, and then he gets out, and there's a body on the ground, and he's like, oh my god. And I was like, Kevin, would you stop? He's like, yes, I would stop. I said, I wouldn't. I was like, first of all, if I was driving by myself, heck no, because my luck, that exact thing would happen to me. <laughs> yeah, it's way too sketchy, yeah. that. Like, you just don't want to get involved, do you? No. Like, you, you know, because that, especially if someone's like screaming and like trying to get in your house, well, they'll they'll chase them in there. If they're getting chased by a killer, they'll come in your house then. It's your problem. You know, <laughs> just too risky, man. Oh yeah, about favorite character. Our, um, you know, mine's Michael, yeah. obviously. Um, you know, his his presence is just untouchable. Mm-hmm. Like he created and defined the masked slasher. You know, yes. he's the ultimate creeper and silent killer. Um, he's my favorite next to Ghostface and Jason. Yeah. You know? He, I also sorry go on. Oh, I was just gonna say like, I, I would say Norman Bates from Psycho really gave off that creepy murderous vibe. It's like kind of started mm-hmm. that, but Michael is the one that perfected it. Yeah, definitely. I also love the title of this movie. You know, it's simple and perfect, mm-hmm. just... and much better than the babysitter murders. <laughs> However, if they did come out with a movie called The Babysitter Murders, I would probably watch it. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's probably some sort of fan film. That would be awesome. Um, unless they trademark that so that no one could use it. That's true. I mean, I kind of feel like if I ever had a band, that that would be the name of my band. Oh, that's a great name for hey, a band. My idea, everybody. <laughs> if you start a band, <laughs> give me credit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to Google it later. There's bound to be a There's band bound. for that. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, it goes without saying that this movie ticks all of my top oh, five horror movie must-haves definitely. and more. You know, aesthetic, check. Atmosphere, check. You know, one of the best ever in a film. Soundtrack, check. Again, the goat. Uh, memorable and likable characters, check. Again, some of the greatest of all time. And good kills, Check. Again, some of the greatest of all time. Um, so overall thoughts, um, one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, <laughs> You know, this movie is the definition of the term classic. You know, it's an absolute must-see. Um, you know, it's got a haunting score, incredible lighting techniques, and it's brilliantly wrote and directed. It's tightly paced. You know, it's just a masterpiece of horror. I mean, it's... It's so, and the fact that it was only, it was supposed to be a, uh, I mean, it is an indie film. Just yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's just... literally, it's the epitome of you won't know until you try. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It... Yeah, you never know. And this movie is included among the one thousand and one movies you must see before you die by Steven Schneider. And I 100% agree with this. Mm -hmm, In fact, I'd probably place this at number one. (laughs) You know, fuck the Shawshank Redemption and all those other critically acclaimed movies. I mean, yeah, it's worth a watch, but I prefer Halloween. (laughs) You know, this film is an experience. It's a moment in time. It's a masterclass in slasher 
and Halloween horror. And, you know, many have tried to imitate it and many have failed. You know, yeah. there'll never be another movie like Halloween. You just couldn't capture that magic again. It's lightning in a bottle. It's such a special movie. Um, yeah. And I... my advice my advice to filmmakers in our day and age is to study Halloween. You know, mm-hmm. it should be the blueprint for what scary movies are all about. You know, after all, Carpenter followed in Hitchcock's steps, you know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe directors should follow in his, mm-hmm. you know. Um. You know, I've I've seen it a million times, but, you know, it's one of the handful of films that I come back to to watch frequently. You I know. know it's just an all-time favourite. That's what I was feeling last night when I was, when we were getting ready to watch it. We sat down, we were eating, and I was just like... I'm excited to watch it. Like, yeah. even though I've seen it a whole bunch of times now, I'm excited. And I'm excited to watch it again whenever Halloween gets closer. Yeah. Because I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, but it just... And I don't know if I've ever met anybody that, like, didn't like it. Oh, I know some people. I won't I mean, name them. I won't... You do, should, should, you I, should, should I name and shame you them? Shouldn't, you shouldn't be friends with them. Is, it, is one of them going to be Ash... <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I think okay. Ash likes this. Okay. It's actually JB that doesn't like this. Um, but How come I can tell? Like, how can I see that? I can see that. <laughs> he doesn't look like a Halloween fan, does he? No, he's not he one doesn't. of us. He's, no, he's no. not. He's probably not even listening to this episode. Probably not. He's, you know. He's, and... like, he's probably going to be like, who the f- does Ashley think she is? Like, she doesn't even know me. <laughs> I'm just sitting here talking. I mean, at the end of the day, he's, he's not a horror fan. You know, he, oh, he's not yeah. a sl- slasher fan. And some people just don't get this movie, you know. Um, but there is a reason why it's got such a cult following and it is such a huge movie, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess some people don't don't get it, but I just don't think they understand cinema and the way, um, you know, that film should be made properly. <laughs> but whatever. Um do you have any more any any more things you want to say about it? See, I don't think so. Let me refer. Um, other than the fact that this movie made me a very paranoid person. Um... <laughs> Check the car. Yes. Thing uh... is, though, it kind of it made me paranoid, but I I enjoy the paranoia because I, I like scaring myself. Yeah, no, I do too. <laughs> Uh, the only thing, so the in the beginning, I wrote like I I want to know more about the psychology and stuff behind like kid murderers because that fascinates mm. me so much. Yeah, and because I mean I don't know I don't really know like the age of understanding like moral stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Everybody has their own opinions on the age, but um. Just the fact that he was in that asylum for so long, yeah. You know, like what, what part of the murder, and then what part of him being in the asylum, like did they like merge together to just make him this soulless person? Yeah, it is like it's the mystery of Michael Myers, isn't it? It's just mm-hmm. like, is he just broken? Like, what made him like this? Was it an event that triggered mm-hmm. this? Was it? You know, there's so many there's so so many things you can speculate about it was he um disturbed by uh, his sister having sex you know is that right. something that that just sparked something in his brain it just sort of broke him and he he figured that he'd just kill her 
Yeah. Why? Because, I mean, you know, because he didn't understand it, because it scared him, but, you know, why was it a reaction to grab a knife and kill her? Yeah, also, I, that that dude that had sex with her, like, lasted, what, like, 10 seconds? Like, <laughs> <laughs> if that, like, that was the quickest fuck <laughs> I've ever seen. Like, he was like, oh, let's go upstairs. And by the time that he's walked around the edge of the house, like, he's he like, grabs all right, see knife. you later. And he's coming back down. It's like, whoa, that dude's quick. Jeez, yeah. I mean, poor Judith. I mean, <laughs> she didn't get hers, clearly, you know. And she's just sat there like, fuck's sake, like br- brushing her hair like, God. <laughs> and then, then Michael walks in and she's like, what are you doing? And then she yeah. dies. Poor Judith after a shit fuck, you know, <laughs> one minute wonder. And then she gets killed by a brother. Oh. Well, um, I was going to say, like, I understand that's why people like the um rob zombie ones because it goes more into the yeah you know why he did it but yeah. not knowing is almost is, is just to me is just as scary as knowing yeah definitely yeah i i agree i mean we'll get to the rob zombie ones eventually eventually i controversially do like them I enjoyed the rock I enjoyed ones. the first one. I didn't see the second one yet. Except Kevin did. Make oh, me up- really? He You've not seen the up- second one? No. Oh. But he made me upset last night. He's like, if I put on the Rob Zombie one, would you be able to tell the difference? And I looked at him and I was like, yes. And he was like, would you really? And I was like, what are you talking about? Yes, I would be able to. Jeez. The other person who doesn't like this film is Abby. Really? She loves the Rob Zombie ones, but doesn't like the okay, originals. Okay, as long as she likes one of them, I'll be okay with yeah. that. Yeah, she she really digs the Rob Zombie ones, but I'd put that down to maybe a generational thing. It could um, be, yeah. She's uh, really into, like, a lot of music that, you know, passed me by, because I was a bit older when it came out and stuff like that, so she loves all, like, the, uh, the Rob Zombie kind of aesthetic and all that shit. Um... Oh yeah, you're you're older than I am too, right? By yeah, I'm an old man. I think I'm the same age as Kevin, thirty five, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I also think that this movie is very much, um, you know, when you see it in your life, and it, it it has a lot to do with, you know, whether you like it or not. It's it's mm-hmm. all about the setting in which you see it, the mm-hmm. age in which you see it, like. And obviously, for some people, it just doesn't click with them because they're not um, they're not in the same place that all the people that love this film were when they first watched it. I guess. Um, but she likes she does like eighty slashers, like she likes the Friday the Thirteenth films and that. But um, yeah, she just doesn't like Halloween. Yeah. So so wrapping up, I'd obviously recommend it. You know, mm-hmm, um, me too. every. Every man and his dog has seen it, but if you haven't seen it for some reason and you're listening to this podcast um, and didn't like it, I'd say give it another chance. You know, I'm a firm believer, you know, like I've just said, that it's the setting and the way in which you first experience a movie it has a lot to do with how you enjoy it, you know. So, you know, this Halloween, give it another go. Get some friends or family round, get some booze in, get some pizza, get a little drunk, put Halloween on. You'll have a blast, I guarantee it, you know. Um, side note, it's on my bucket list to watch this movie in an American drive-in. <gasps> okay, we're going to make that happen whenever you come. We're going we're gonna to figure yes. it out. 
when I come over, we're doing it. Um, and I also want to boast that next month I'm going to meet the shape himself, Nick Castle, at For the Love of Horror Con in Manchester. Very I cannot jealous. wait. He seems like such a sweet, humble guy as well. Um, I'm really nervous, though, because like, a few of the guests have pulled out recently. Um, Tony Todd, Candyman, um, Meatloaf, he's pulled out. <laughs> Abby's devastated because uh, she got a photo op for him. Uh, but I think it's like I mean this is just kind of what I've what I've heard but the guests that are cancelling are the ones that aren't getting vaxxed apparently they're kind of I don't know if they're uh. anti-vaxxers or but they refuse to get the vaccine so that's why they can't come to the UK but I think Nick Castle's a good a good egg and he's got the vaccine and he's still coming um but yeah I can't I can't wait for that I'll I'll put some pictures up on the Instagram when I meet him um, I also want to reveal that with an IMDb rating of 7.7, this now steals the crown from The Witch as the oh, highest rated movie yay. we've done so far. <laughs> Rightly so. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, that about does it for this episode. Next episode, we'll be moving forward with the new Halloween timeline and talking about the next movie in that series, 2018's Halloween. What an original movie title. Um, so make sure you've watched that movie ready and come back to join us for that discussion on the next episode shout out to our regular listeners and friends of the pod John Howard, Terror Society and the hardest man to please in horror, Ash Bowker <laughs> although saying that I recommended him Suspiria the other day which he'd loved so oh really I know, I need to watch it um, yeah I can't wait till we get to do the Suspiria films because I was thinking about the remake and the remake is actually one of the scariest films I've ever seen. Like That that whole end scene is just terrifying. Yeah. We'll have to do a, ca- a pod on both of those. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Daniel Cox and Ella Lineker. Um, oh, actually, speaking of Daniel Cox, oh, this is awesome. So, um, he... So, <laughs> you know how, like, have some... Um, fandoms get like fan art and stuff like that well we've got um fan music that's been sent to us so daniel cox is a musician and don't worry don't worry field mouse he's not um redone the theme tune we're keep we're sticking with the theme tune but daniel cox has took inspiration from our podcast and done a little a little ditty um inspired by horror homeschool and in it's sick i'll send it you now so you can listen to it i'll, oh my I'll God, patch it I'm into so the park um it's it, he's put like um the like a school bell at the start and some screams and stuff it's so sick but he said he was inspired by field mouse and to do this song so i'll send it you on um messenger right now and you can play it. I'll, I'll patch it into the pod so everyone else can hear it too Daniel, you rock, man. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, that's awesome. That's so great. I love that. 
I've, I'm going to have to think of some way to sort of get that on the pod somehow without replacing field mouses. Um, <laughs> I be, love it. It could be our outro. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's totally the new outro. I'll stick it on this episode. Oh, so awesome. <laughs> um, shout out to superfan Ryan Horn, who keeps getting visited at his place of work by none other than David Arquette. What? Yeah, like he's been in twice recently. I think he works in a place called Sprouts, I want to say. Yeah. Does that ring a bell uh-huh. for you? It's like a, hel- he's like a the healthy... Manager. Healthy grocery store. Health food store. Yeah. Um, yeah, but apparently David Arquette just keeps popping in. And I said, dude, you have to get a picture with yes. him. And he's like, oh, it's just so awkward, though, because like, I'm the manager and I can't just go up to one of our famous customers. <laughs> I and, like, would. Dude, could I get a selfie? And he was like, he was joking around. He was like, oh, would you like me to get a stinger for the pod, like an intro saying... Uh, it's David yes. Arquette listening to Horror yes. Emperor. I was like, oh my god, I would fucking die if you did that. You have to do it. Um, shout out to the musical maestro and the composer of our wonderful theme song, Field Mouse. I joke that um, I don't listen to your suggestions, but I do appreciate you listening and uh, and chatting to me about the pod. We just have our own schedule for like the next year. That's all. That's true. Um, um, I want to shout out to my sister. She's gonna give us notes on why she hates Halloween eighteen two thousand eighteen, <laughs> and uh, I will be reading them out because she's awesome. Uh, my sister's name is Bethany, so shout out to her. She listens to all of these. Out. Yeah, shout out to Ashley's entire family. By the way, like. You have such a supportive family, and it's so awesome. Like, I love it. They're... I've been speaking to your mum on Facebook, and she's, like, the sweetest, she's... sweetest mum ever. I, I want her to be my mum. <laughs> she will adopt you in a heartbeat. Oh, great. Yeah. I want to be a McGann. Yeah. <laughs> you, you and Abby, she would love you guys, so. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to meet them all. But, oh, yeah, you thank will. Thank you so much to all your family for being so supportive. Yeah, thank you. My family could not give a shit about this. Well, they would never listen. my family is now your family. You were officially oh, adopted. thank you. That's awesome. I love it. Um, shout out to Sadie and Katie at Welcome to Horrorland. Um, shout out to Doc Longy on Instagram. Uh, big thanks, dude, for always promoting the pod and tagging yes, us in your posts. thank post. you. Thank you, dude. Um, he's actually got some merch up now. Uh, you can, I think the pre-order for the Sopranos one's just finished, but he's got some um, MF Doom merch coming out, nice. so check that out. Um, I've forgotten what it is on Instagram. Just type in Doc Longy and you'll find him. Go to horrorhomeschool.com for links to everything, including all of our socials and where you can listen to the show. And you will also find a link there to Ashley's Etsy. You've been oh, hard yes. at work, haven't you? I have been very hard at work. I still, I actually just bought a couple new things today that I'm going to tie-dye, so super excited. Sick. You also were experimenting with some our homeschool merch. Yes, there, so if anybody you? wants merch, let me know, yeah. and I will yeah, make it. We're thinking it. about do, making that happen, aren't we? Yes. So watch this space if you want a horror homeschool t-shirt or other bits and bobs. We're talking about beanies as well, weren't we? Um, yeah, so that that's coming soon. Uh, you did like a bleach dye with mm-hmm. our logo on that looks really cool. Yeah, so I'm super excited. But yeah, I can't wait to get that up and running. Have you still got that ten percent off yep, deal on? Sure do. So if you click on the link at horrorhomeschool.com, that ten percent off coupon will be automatically added to your basket. 
So go and do some shopping on Ashley's store. And also go and check out our Skeleton Crew boys over in Nashville, Tennessee. Head over to leallegacy.com for podcasts and merch. And go to offbrandmusic.com for music. I know that um, Daniel Cox was asking about Feel Mouse's music. So, yeah, go to offbrandmusic.com for all of his stuff. Yes, yes. Um, and, yeah, send in your comments and questions. Feel free to DM us on Instagram or Facebook. We'll always chat back. And you can email us at contacthorrorhomeschool at gmail.com. Personal social media stuff for me. You can follow me on Instagram at Chris J. Wakefield. And you can follow me at underscore Babraham Lincoln underscore. We will be back soon with another episode. And remember, it's Halloween. Everyone's entitled to one good scare. (laughs) 